Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, October the 4th. The ten days between Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur are known as the Days of Awe. We take time to ask the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts, to shine His light into any dark places there so we can repent. The gates of heaven are open right now during this time. This is a time for the bride to prepare herself, to make herself ready for her bridegroom, to make sure she is wearing fine white linen without spot or wrinkle. I encourage you to use these days to be in prayer and to make yourself ready for the Day of Atonement. We are rapidly approaching Yom Kippur, or Day of Atonement, which falls on sundown October 6th, Thursday, into Friday, October 7th. In Leviticus 23, verses 27 and 28, it is written, Also, the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the Day of Atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. This is the holiest day on the biblical calendar. Once a year, the high priest would go into the wilderness tabernacle, into the most holy place, and he would sprinkle blood onto the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. This was atonement for the sins of the nation of Israel. We now have Yeshua, who is our great high priest, and he is in the heavenly tabernacle now. He offers atonement for our sins, as it is written in Isaiah 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The major themes associated with Yom Kippur, or Day of Atonement, are It is known as the Day of Atonement. This is the day that the God of Israel would forgive the sins of His people in a national way. It is known as Face to Face. This is an idiomatic expression for being in His presence. It is THE Day and it is recognized as the holiest day in the year. It is known as the fast, a day that we afflict our souls and fast. It is known as the great shofar. It is also known as nila, the closing of the gates of heaven. Yom Kippur is the day when white garments were worn by the high priests. What is the deeper spiritual meaning? White garments are associated with purity, holiness, and with our sins being forgiven. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to the Daily 
audiotora.com website and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Hazinu, and it means give ear. Jeremiah 2, 31-4, 18 O generation, behold the word of Hashem. Have I been like a desert to Israel, or like a land of deep gloom? Then why do my people say, We have broken loose, we will not come to you any more? Can a maiden forget her jewels, a bride her adornments? Yet my people have forgotten me, days without number. How skillfully you plan your way to seek out love. Why, you have even taught the worst of women your ways. Moreover, on your garments is found the lifeblood of the innocent poor. You did not catch them breaking in. Yet, despite all these things, you say, I have been acquitted. Surely his anger has turned away from me. Lo, I will bring you to judgment for saying, I have not sinned. How you cheapen yourself by changing your course. You shall be put to shame through Egypt, just as you were put to shame through Assyria. From this way, too, you will come out with your hands on your head. For Hashem has rejected those you trust. You will not prosper with them. The word of Hashem came to me as follows. If a man divorces his wife and she leaves him and marries another man, can he ever go back to her? Would not such a land be defiled? Now you have whored with many lovers. Can you return to me, says Hashem? Look up to the bare heights and see. Where have they not lain with you? You waited for them on the roadside like a bandit in the wilderness, and you defiled the land with your whoring and your debauchery. And when showers were withheld and the late rains did not come, you had the brazenness of a street woman. You refused to be ashamed. You now just call to me, Father, you are the companion of my youth. Does one hate for all time? Does one rage forever? That is how you spoke. You did wrong and had your way. Hashem said to me in the days of King Josiah, Have you seen what rebel Israel did going to every high mountain? and under every leafy tree and whoring there? I thought, after she has done all these things, she will come back to me. But she did not come back, and her sister, faithless Yehuda, saw it. I noted, because rebel Israel had committed adultery, I cast her off and handed her a bill of divorce. Yet her sister, faithless Yehuda, was not afraid. She too went and whored. Indeed, the land was defiled by her casual immorality, as she committed adultery with stone and with wood. And after all that, her sister, faithless Yehuda, did not return to me wholeheartedly, but insincerely, declares Hashem. And Hashem said to me, Rebel Israel has shown herself more in the right than faithless Yehuda. Go! 
Make this proclamation toward the north, and say, Turn back, O rebel Israel, declares Hashem. I will not look on you in anger, for I am compassionate, declares Hashem. I do not bear a grudge for all time. Only recognize your sin, for you have transgressed against Hashem your God, and scattered your favors among strangers under every leafy tree, and you have not heeded me, declares Hashem. Turn back, rebellious children, declares Hashem. Since I have espoused you, I will take you, one from a town and two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will pasture you with knowledge and skill. And when you increase and are fertile in the land in those days, declares Hashem, men shall no longer speak of the Aron Brit Hashem, nor shall it come to mind. They shall not mention it or miss it or make another. At that time they shall call Jerusalem Throne of Hashem, and all nations shall assemble there in the name of Hashem at Jerusalem. They shall no longer follow the willfulness of their evil hearts. In those days the house of Yehuda shall go with the house of Israel. They shall come together from the land of the north to the land I gave your fathers as a possession. I had resolved to adopt you as my child, and I gave you a desirable land, the fairest heritage of all the nations, and I thought you would surely call me father and never cease to be loyal to me. Instead, you have broken faith with me as a woman breaks faith with a paramour or house of Israel, declares Hashem. Hark! On the bare heights is heard the suppliant weeping of the people of Israel, for they have gone a crooked way, ignoring Hashem their God. Turn back, O rebellious children, I will heal your afflictions. Here we are, we come to you, for you, Hashem, are our God. Surely futility comes from the hills, confusion from the mountains. Only through Hashem our God is their deliverance for Israel. But the shameful thing has consumed the possessions of our fathers ever since our youth, their flocks and herds, their sons and daughters. Let us lie down in our shame. Let our disgrace cover us, for we have sinned against Hashem our God, we and our fathers from our youth to this day, and we have not heeded Hashem our God. If you return, O Israel, declares Hashem, if you return to me, If you remove your abominations from my presence and do not waver, and swear as Hashem lives, in sincerity, justice, and righteousness, nations shall bless themselves by you and praise themselves by you. For thus said Hashem to the men of Yehudah and to Jerusalem, Break up the untilled ground and do not sow among thorns. Open your hearts to Hashem. Remove the thickening about your hearts, O men of Yehudah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath break forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of your wicked acts. Proclaim in Yehudah, announce in Jerusalem, and say, Blow the shofar in the land. Shout aloud and say, Assemble, and let us go into the fortified cities. Set up a signpost to Zion. Take refuge. Do not delay, for I bring evil from the north and great disaster. The lion has come up from his thicket. The destroyer of nations has set out. 
has departed from his place to make your land a desolation. Your cities shall be ruined without inhabitants. For this put on sackcloth, mourn and wail. For the blazing anger of Hashem has not turned away from us. And in that day, declares Hashem, the mind of the king and the mind of the noble shall fail, the Kohanim shall be appalled, and the Nevi'im shall stand aghast. And I said, Ah, Hashem, surely you have deceived this people and Jerusalem, saying, It shall be well with you, yet the sword threatens the very life. At that time it shall be said concerning this people and Jerusalem, The conduct of my poor people is like searing wind from the bare heights of the desert. It will not serve to winnow or to fan. A full blast from them comes against me. Now I, in turn, will bring charges against them. Lo, he ascends like clouds. His chariots are like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us! We are ruined." Wash your heart clean of wickedness, O Jerusalem, that you may be rescued. How long will you harbor within your you your evil designs? Hark! One proclaims from Dan, and another announces calamity from Mount Ephraim. Tell the nations, here they are, announce concerning Jerusalem. Watchers are coming from a distant land. They raise their voices against the towns of Yehuda. Like guards of fields, they surround her on every side. For she has rebelled against me, declares Hashem. Your conduct and your acts have brought this upon you. This is your bitter punishment. It pierces your very heart. Colossians 1, 1-20 Paul, an apostle of Yeshua, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Yeshua, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Yeshua and of the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come to you as it is in all the world, and brings forth fruit, as it does also in you since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. And you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Yeshua, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. 
For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Psalm 76, 1-12 In Judah is God known, his name is great in Israel. In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. There broke he the arrows of the bow, the shield, and the sword, and the battle, Selah. You are more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted are spoiled, they have slept their sleep, and none of the men might have found their hands. At your rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and horse are cast into a dead sleep. You, even you, are to be feared, and who may stand in your sight when once you are angry? You did cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth, Selah. Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. The remainder of wrath shall you restrain. Vow and pay to the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presents to him that ought to be feared. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. Proverbs 24, 21 and 22 My son, fear the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin of them both. I want to speak to you today from what we read in Jeremiah chapter 2 through 4, and then we're going to jump into the book of Colossians chapter 1. Let's begin in Jeremiah chapter 2 in verse 32, where it is written, Can a maiden forget her jewels, a bride her adornments? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. This is a very piercing statement and pierces the heart. So, any one of us can fall into what I call autopilot. We go into autopilot and we just kind of do the same thing. Rinse, wash, repeat. We get up in the morning. We do our morning routine. We head out the door. We go to work. We do our thing there. We come home, have dinner, do the dishes, brush the teeth and go to bed. Rinse, wash, repeat. And we've gone into autopilot. And this happened to me a few years ago where I had been called to do a task, an assignment from the Lord, and I was doing it faithfully for a number of years. But then I didn't inquire of the Lord anymore. I didn't ask Him. 
do you still want me to be doing this assignment or is it completed? Is it over? Is it done? Is it finished? And all of a sudden, my plate got turned upside down. My world was turned upside down. The rug fell up beneath me, the, the floor. And I was in a world of hurt and everything came to a screaming halt very suddenly and very quickly. And I had to really begin to seek the Lord and inquire of him. And one of the things he showed me was, Laura, I'm not calling you to this assignment anymore. Your your role there is jo- is finished. And I had gone into autopilot and I just kept on doing it, assuming he wanted me to do it when I hadn't asked him. And that's what can happen. We can do the church thing and go to fellowship every week and you know, just kind of go into autopilot. It becomes mechanical. If we are not consulting with him, inquiring of him, seeking him with all of our heart, listening to the Holy Spirit, seeking his face, waiting upon the Lord to hear what he has to say, to give us fresh manna each day, to give us fresh direction and guidance each day, we don't want to go into autopilot. Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. If we have become prayerless, we have forgotten him. We must be people of prayer and not just do all the talking, but do the listening as well, to listen and to see what the Holy Spirit wants to download to us today. All right, moving on. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me as follows. If a man divorces his wife and she leaves him and marries another man, can he ever go back to her? Would not such a land be defiled? Now you have whored with many lovers. Can you return to me, says Hashem? And verse 8. As I noted, because rebel Israel had committed adultery, I cast her off and handed her a bill of divorce. Yet her sister, faithless Yehuda was not afraid. She too went and whored. This is a reference uh, to the two different kingdoms, the kingdom split. The northern kingdom is the house of Israel, also known as Joseph or Ephraim. The southern kingdom is the house of Judah, um, also known as the Jewish people. And basically, whenever we get into idolatry, God sees this as adultery. Uh, it's harlotry in his eyes because we're in a covenant with him. When we ask Yeshua into our heart, when we say yes to him and yes to his Torah in following Yeshua and his Torah, we've stepped into a marriage covenant. So when we get into idolatry, it's the same as adultery. So what God is saying here is that a man, when he divorces his wife and leaves him, she cannot go back to him. Because it would just, it would defile and pollute the land. And basically in verse 8, he's saying that he gave a bill of divorce to the northern kingdom, to Israel. So how is it then that we in the northern kingdom, we of the house of Israel, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel, can go back to him because we've committed harlotry and adultery, every one of us? How is that possible? Well, the answer is found in Romans chapter 7. And I just want to read to you uh, verses 1 through 4. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the Torah, 
that the Torah or the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law, by the Torah, to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law or the Torah of her husband. So then if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that Torah, that law, so that she is no longer an adulteress, though she has married another man. So Yeshua is our husband. We committed adultery against him. We and our spiritual forefathers at the golden calf incident committed adultery against him. So what? would he have to do so he could remarry his wife who betrayed him, who was treacherous and faithless to him. He died. He died on the cross, on the tree, and was resurrected. So the resurrected Yeshua can now remarry his wife when she comes to him in Teshuvah, in repentance. So the resurrected Yeshua can marry a reborn, renewed, wife, who is us. He had to die on the tree. He could not marry her uh, as the first Yeshua because she had committed adultery. But when he died, he was freed from the Torah and the law that says you can't marry her after she's committed adultery against you. He died, and then the resurrected Yeshua can now remarry his wife, his repentant, reborn renewed wife. Okay, continuing on. Uh, in chapter 3, verse 18, In those days the house of Yehuda shall go with the house of Israel. They shall come together from the land of the north to the land I gave your fathers as a possession. This is a promise of something that has not yet happened. It's a prophecy of the two kingdoms, the kingdom of the north, the house of Israel, and the kingdom of the south, the house of Judah, the Jews, coming together. They shall come together from the land of the north, and they will go where? To the land I gave your fathers as a possession, to Israel. The divided kingdom will one day be reunited. Verse 19, I had resolved to adopt you as my child, and I gave you a desirable land, the fairest heritage of all the nations, and I thought you would surely call me father and never cease to be loyal to me. The Israel Bible reads us to this comment to this verse reads as follows. Jeremiah describes the land of Israel as Eretz Chemda, a desirable land. The commentator Radok explains that Jeremiah uses this description since Eretz Israel is desired by all the nations. Hashem's holy presence is so palpable there that everyone senses its holiness and wants it. One needs to look no further than the morning newspapers or the nightly news to appreciate the accuracy of Radok's words. Despite its small size, Israel is a desired land sought after by all the nations. Now let's jump into Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 6, where it is written, Set up a signpost to Zion, 
take refuge, do not delay, for I bring evil from the north and great disaster. Now, this is a little Ramez hint. It's a little bit like a, a stone being thrown into a pond, and then the ripples ripples outward into concentric circles. So this one verse is, is pointing us to um, what's going to happen in the future, and it's connected, I believe, to Jeremiah 50 and 51, those two chapters that goes into great detail about a day coming when the na- a coalition of nations from the north come together in an alliance and they attack the end of days daughter of Babylon nation to take her down once and for all. And so this is saying set up a signpost to Zion, a signpost as in a sign or a signal. In other words, you're scattered to all the nations. God's people are scattered. And so we need a signpost, a marker, to help us to remember the way home. Let Jerusalem come to your mind. And as Judah and Ephraim, the Jews and the non-Jews, begin to come together, weeping and repenting and asking the way to Zion, then we are to find these signposts along the way. So the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. After the century alerts the nation to the invaders from the north, The people flock to Jerusalem for protection. To guide and direct them, signposts will be established on the roadways. The Hebrew term is Nes Ziona. A signpost to Zion became the name of one of the first towns established in Israel by returning Jews at the end of the 19th century. In 1891, a man by the name of Michael Halperin gathered a group of people in central Israel and unfurled a blue and white flag emblazoned with the words Nes Ziona written in gold. This location became the modern-day city of Nes Ziona, and Halpirin's banner became the model for the future Israeli flag. So, this happened historically, but it's also future prophetic. Remember, biblical history is prophecy. So, historically... The the Jews of the southern kingdom went to Babylon, and they were in captivity and in exile for 70 years. And then after Cyrus conquered Babylon, um, he set the Jews free and said, you're free to go home. You're free to return to Israel and Jerusalem. And so also there was a time when the Jews or the ten tribes of the north, they were taken into exile into Assyria. And they have never returned. They were assimilated into Assyria. They forgot God. They forgot the book, the Torah. And they forgot God's name. They forgot who they were. They had spiritual amnesia. And from there, they were scattered to all the nations of the earth. So I also want to look at verse 5. Proclaim in Yehuda, announce in Jerusalem, and say, Below the shofar in the land, shout aloud and say, Assemble. And let us go into the fortified cities. This verse is very appropriate as we come into the fall feast, as we come, we're in the days of awe right now. We've just had Yom Teruah and we're coming into Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And it, it's one of the themes of Day of Atonement is the great shofar, the last shofar, the greatest shofar. And so, That is something we want to do, is on Day of Atonement, we can sound the shofar. And it's um, very significant. 
So now I want to jump into Colossians chapter 1. And before we even get into it, um, I want to give kind of a, a heads up and a bit of a warning. There's a trend that I have seen in the Hebrew Roots community uh, in many different places, not in just one. I've, I've been to many different fellowship groups and, and fellowshiped um, in lots of different places. And this trend is dangerous. And I want to warn about it. The trend is when somebody comes into Hebrew Roots, they just love the Word. They love the Torah. They want to dig in and study and unpack things and learn the Hebrew, deeper meanings of things. And they spend a lot of time in the Old Testament, particularly in the first five books. And they spend less and less time in the New Testament, less and less time in the Brit. And then they begin to depart from Yeshua, who is the head. And they don't hold him in high esteem. They don't see him anymore as the son of God. They don't see him as part of the Godhead. And and then ultimately where this can lead is that I've seen this happen in whole groups. Um, is that they deny that Yeshua is the son of God, that he's part of the Godhead. They They renounce Yeshua and they convert to Judaism. They hop the fence and jump over into this other camp of Judaism. So they follow the God of the Old Testament, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but renounce Yeshua, who is the head. And this is a very dangerous trend that we want to stay away from. And I think one of the reasons why this happens is if you're not spending very much time at all in the Brit Hadashah and learning and studying and hearing the words of Yeshua, then you get detached. And it doesn't happen suddenly. It doesn't happen in one day. It's a slow drifting away. A slow drifting away. And one of the signs that that's happening is if you're in a fellowship group and you never hear the name Yeshua mentioned, if they're always saying Yahweh, 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 and they never say Yeshua, they don't never talk about Yeshua, that's a sign that people are drifting away from Yeshua, who is the head. Now, the Father and the Son, they are one. Yahweh, Yahshua. The Father and the Son, they are one. Well, Colossians chapter 1 really gives us a plumb line of truth of the supremacy and the preeminence of Christ, that he is the head. And we need to meditate and reflect on these words from Colossians. It's very important because we do not want to drift away from Yeshua, who is our head. So, without any further ado, let's get into Colossians chapter 1. So, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 4, Since we heard of your faith in Yeshua and of the love which you have to all the saints. So, that's very telling that their faith in Yeshua is expressed and seen by the love that they have for one another. And that was Yeshua's one new command. He said, I have one new command for you. On top of the 613 commands from the Old Testament, from the Torah, here's my one new command. Love one another as I have loved you. And when we do that, People will see Yeshua in us. 
Okay. Now, then he begins to pray a prayer over the Colossians, and he is speaking about Christ. Let's start in verse 13. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. His dear son now is the subject, the object of the verses that follow. His dear son, who is Yeshua, in whom we have redemption. We have redemption in who? In his dear son, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so we have redemption through the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. And who is the image? Yeshua is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created. So Yeshua is there in the beginning. By him, all things were created. Remember, there's an olive tov right smack dab in the middle of Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew. An olive tov is pointing us to Yeshua, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. By him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. And verse 17, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So, he holds everything together. Now, for example, an atom has protons and neutrons in the nucleus and then electrons flying around it. And the electrons have a negative charge. The nucleus has a positive charge. And normally, according to the laws of physics, these opposites do not attract. The atoms should not hold together. It should fly apart. Because positive and negative, they should fly apart. But yet, for some reason, it stays together. And Yeshua, by his word, holds all things together, including at the atomic level. Verse 18, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, the supremacy. He is the head He is the preeminent one. Now, I'm going to share with you a vision I had about two years ago, and it was at Shavuot. It was an open vision, and it was very powerful. It was unforgettable, and I believe the Lord was just showing me something very, very important through this vision. What I saw was a platoon of soldiers. I believe they were like IDF soldiers, and they were all standing in attention in rows and in columns, and each and every soldier had a huge Torah scroll in their arms, and they were hugging it. They were just hugging it. Oh, they loved that Torah. They were all standing at attention and rose in their columns with their arms wrapped around the Torah, each one of them. But all of them were headless. They had no heads. And I asked the Lord, inquired of him, Lord, what does this mean? He said, This is what happens when people get detached from me, the head. They say they love the Torah, they love the book. But if they don't have relationship with me, Yeshua, they become detached. And so then what can happen is you come into following the letter of the law because you don't have the spirit of the law. You don't have the spirit of Yeshua dwelling within you. And then it becomes autopilot, mechanical, rote, ritual, routine, dead works, dead religion. 
it beca- and then the symptoms of that is judgmentalism, a critical spirit, a finger-pointing spirit. It is so important that we stay attached and connected to Yeshua, who is the head, the most high, the, sup- the supremacy of Christ, the preeminence of Christ. This is so important. If we drift away from him, it becomes dead works and dead religion. Verse 19 and 20, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. It's at the cross. It's at the tree that we are reconciled to God the Father through Christ, his Son. It's at the cross that we come during the season of repentance, the days of awe, that we humble ourselves and we tell the truth and we confess our sins and we say, Oh God, this is so ugly. I am so ashamed of this sin in my life, this darkness. I repent. Please change me. I bring this garbage to you and I bring it to the cross. And I pray that you will nail it there. Take this sin in me. Nail it there at your cross. Take it from me. Renew me and change me by your Holy Spirit and cleanse me by the blood of the Lamb. Cleanse me. Make me clean and whole and pure in the name of Yeshua. I thank God for the cross. I thank God for Yeshua's death and atonement for his blood that was spilled, that cleanses me, that redeems me, that brings me forgiveness of sin. Have a blessed day. In Yeshua's name, amen. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.